0: Hello, and welcome to Tanakhstudy.com. I'm Yael Ziegler. We'll be starting today Parshat Vayira. Um, If you recall, at the end of Parshat Shemot, at the end of our last class, we spoke a little bit about Moshe's crisis. We had a sense that Moshe uh, really felt that his mission had gone awry after he had come to Paro. Paro had only deepened Am El's enslavement, and Moshe comes back to Hashem and says to Hashem, Lama olte la'am hazeh? Why did you make it even worse for this nation? Why have you sent me? And of course, we debated the question as to whether or not God's response to Moshe in Perak Vav Pasuk Aleph contained within it a rebuke or an explanation. In any case, what we see at the beginning of Parshat Ve'ira would seem to be a deepening of the answer that God gives to Moshe by in which he reveals a new aspect of himself, a new aspect of the mission, it seems to be an attempt to respond in some way to the crisis that we saw at the end of Parshat Shemot. We begin Parshat Va'era with the following words, Va'yidaber Elohim El Moshe Vayomer Elav Ani Adonai. And God spoke to Moshe and he said to him, I am God." Va'era El Avraham El Yitzchak El Yaakov, the El Shaddai Ushmi Adunai Lo Nodati Lahem, and I appeared to Abraham, to Yitzchak, and to Yaakov with the name El Shaddai. But my name, God, in other words, Shem Havaya Lo Nodati Lahem. I did not make myself known to them using this name. I think that we all recognize this is a very difficult passage. First and foremost, it's clear that there is some kind of identification that's going on here. God is a, is. Is identifying himself using Sheim Havaya. He's explaining that he appeared to the forefathers with a different name. The reason for this difficulty I think is really pretty much self-evident, which is of course that Sheim Havaya does appear quite frequently in the stories of the Avod and the stories of the forefathers, God even introduces himself using this name in the brief Bein HaTarim. God says to Avram, In the story of Yaakov having the dream and, and seeing the ladder, there again Hashem introduces himself using Shem Hashem. So clearly, we're not talking here about a statement in which God uh, introduces this name for the first time, but rather it seems to be that he's introducing a new aspect of, of himself, an aspect which is encapsulated by this particular name, whether this name is the name of a god who is uh, in more involved with the people, a national god, a god as Chazal often point out, a god of rachamim, one who has the trait of compassion, uh, this seems to be a new kind of interaction that God is now offering to the world, unlike the one that he offered to Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, which was somehow encapsulated by the name uh, uh, El Shaddai. um, Many of the Mepharshim, including the Radak, for example, offer the explanation that that name indicated God's power over the natural world or is willing to be involved, is willing to intervene in terms of the fertility of the avod, whereas this name seems to contain within it a new element, one that has a historical national component rather than perhaps a particular um, uh, kind of interaction. Certainly here, this marks some kind of new beginning in which God is willing to be involved in the world in a new way because of these events that are now beginning to take place. Perhaps we'll see that even more so as we progress through this section. In any case, though, I think that it's an important point that um, it's not that he's introducing for the first time this name, but rather some sort of statement of essence, some kind of attributes or deeds that are connected to this name, which he's for the first time, which God is willing to implement in the world. Um, Now, if we look in Pasuk Dalid, um, uh, Hashem goes on in his statement to Moshe, he says, "Vegan hakimoti et briti itam." I have also established my covenant with them, latet lahem et eretz Kanan to give them the land of Kanan, et eretz megurehem, asher garuva the land of their sojourns in which they lived. And so here, um, uh, uh, God recalls the avot. Uh, not simply in order to establish his identity as he did at the burning bush. And I think that here we have many elements of the burning bush. God is once again coming to Moshe. He's once again introducing Moshe to his mission. And there also he recalled his relationship with the Avot. But here he's talking specifically about the covenant that he made with the avot to give them the land and that covenant here is going to, that covenant that he gave to them is going to be implemented In taking Amisrael out of Egypt. Despite God's promise to the adult, despite the brief, the covenant that he makes with them, he still refers to the land as Eretz Migurehem Asher Garuva. In other words, uh, the the word Migurehem, the word Gar, relates to the word Ger, which is a stranger, and it seems to indicate some sort of temporary stay in the land they were living in this land in a temporary sense i promised it to them in a permanent sense the goal right now is to turn that promise that uh that promise that that god gave to the to the avod into something which is actually being actualized and this is what's going to take place in the next section god says in pasuk hey i heard the cries of am israel uh, as egypt is enslaving them and i remember my breed this of course if you recall is the missing element that we actually spoke about at the end of pasuk Bet. at the end of pasuk Bet, we saw that god heard am Yisrael, and he saw am Yisrael, and he knew am Yisrael's pain and he remembered the covenant with Avraham and Yaakov. There were four verbs that we talked about there. Now, when God comes to Moshe at the burning bush and he tells Moshe what has moved him in order to take Am Israel out of Yitzrayim, he uses only three out of four of the verbs. He says, Ra'a, I saw, shamati, I have heard, yadati, and I have known. But he skips the verb zachar, I have remembered. And of course, the word Zachar there is speaking specifically about the brief about the covenant. That idea only reappears here. In other words, I want to make a distinction here between what happened at the burning bush, which is that God came to Moshe and told Moshe, I'm going to take Am Yisrael out of Egypt because they're in deep trouble, because I see that there is a moral need for me to take them out of Egypt. I see, I hear, I know their pain. And yet... Here he adds a new element, which is the historical, national, theological element, which has a whole new dimension to it. It's not just I am taking them out of Egypt because of the moral problem, but also because there is some sort of uh, theological need to remember the covenant and to what I made with the Avot and to begin to implement it. This difference between Moshe's stated mission at the burning bush and the stated mission here I think is going to account for many of the unique features of this section and we'll keep coming back to it but again I'll just say that I think that the idea at the burning bush is God calls Moshe in order to fulfill his moral responsibility to take Am out of a situation of suffering whereas here God calls Moshe in order to fulfill a theological, national responsibility, which is not just to take them out in order to free them from suffering, but in order to set in motion a new kind of relationship with God, a new kind of path in the world. And that's what we're going to see in a moment. Look at what uh, we have here in Pasuk Bab, Lachin emor livnei Yisrael ani Adonai. והוצאתי אתכם מתחת צבלות מצרים, והצלתי אתכם מעבודתם, וגאלתי אתכם בזרה נטויה ומשפטים גדולים, ולקחתי אתכם לי לעם, והייתי לכם לאלוהים, וידעתם כי אני אדוני אלוהיכם, המוציא אתכם מתחת צבלות מצרים, והבאתי אתכם אל הארץ, אשר נסעתי את ידי, לתת אותה לאברהם, ליצחק וליעקב, ונתתי אותה לכם מורשה, Ani Adonai. So I read this whole section through because I think it really constitutes one continuous idea. And now I'll translate it and then I'll explain it. Therefore, says God, say to Bnei Israel, I am God and I will take you out of the sufferings of Egypt and I will save you from their enslavement. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a nation and I will be for you as a God. And you will know that I am God, your God, who takes you out of the burdens of Egypt. And I will bring you to the land which I have lifted up my hand to give to Avram, to Yitzchak, to Yaakov, and I will give it to you as an inheritance. I am God. So this clearly is a very lofty section. It, uh, first of all, begins with God saying to Moshe, I want you to give a message to B'day Israel." In the message itself is framed by the words Ani Hashem. In other words, as opposed to the story at the burning bush, where Moshe had to say to God, what if they say to me, Mashmo, Shmo, Ma Gidlahem? What if they say to me, what is his name? What should I tell them? And only then does God introduce his name. Because, of course, in that section, God's name was less relevant. The point was to get Am Yisrael out of slavery. Whereas here, the point is, is to introduce Am Yisrael to the theological reason that God is taking him out and that is to form a relationship with him and so this requires first and foremost an an introduction of God in fact the words Ani Hashem frame the entire section Ani Hashem Ani Hashem and in this section of course we have what is commonly known as the Lishonot Geula the different um, languages the different verbs of redemption we talk about them for example at the Seder we have uh, four cups each of which match a different Lashon Ge'ula, Ve'hotseiti, V'hitzalti, V'ga'alti, And of course, then we have the fifth cup, which is the cup of Eliyahu, which refers to, or which you know, we we um, we believe refers to the word Ve'heveti, and I will bring you the ultimate when God will once again bring us back to the land, right? So here we have this idea that this section is filled with the promise of redemption. It's a lofty section. As I said, it's an inspiring section. It's an, it's an elevated section. And some of the features of this section, which I wanted to point out, is, first of all, God's direct involvement, right? We have many uh, first-person um, verbs, right? God is personally involved in Amistad's redemption. I think this point was also made in Pasuke, where we have the repetition of the Ani, um where God says, Vigama ani shamati, right? The word shamati, I have heard, already contains within it the hidden I. The repetition of the word ani serves to emphasize God's role. I have heard. And therefore, I, God, will be um, intimately involved in the taking out of Amisrael al from Mitzrayim. Why is God going to be intimately involved? Because this new aspect of God that is being introduced is the God who is not just the distant God who created the cosmos, but the intimate God who wants to be involved in the formation of Am Israel as a nation and in the, uh, the idea of bringing them to the land where they will fulfill their destiny as a people. What is this destiny? Well, let's look at the different stages that God uh, delineates here for the redemption. First of all, I will take them out of Egypt. Note that when he takes them out of Egypt, there are several different descriptions. I will take you out of Sivlot, the burdens of Egypt. I will save you from the enslavement, and I will redeem you. Right? The gaalti does not have any anything that it is um, describing in particular. It's not connected to any particular form of misery as opposed to I will take them out of their burdens I will take them uh, I will save them from their enslavement is just open-ended I will redeem them this word redeem is a very important word it is a word that appears quite often later on in the Nevi'im to describe national redemption generally speaking in the Torah it is usually a verb that describes relationships between people. It usually describes brothers or, or family members taking responsibility for the other, especially in Vaykra Parakafe, where we have the whole notion of gi'ulat and gi'ulat karka, redeeming a, a person, one of your brethren from slavery, redeeming his land from having been bought by someone outside of the family. It indicates social responsibility. It very rarely in the Torah indicates God's relationship to his nation. I believe this is the first time that we have it. We're going to have it again in Shirat Hayam, Amzu Gaalta, this nation that I have redeemed. And I think once again it hints to this special relationship that is being forged between God and his people, in which God, as it were, takes responsibility for the people. Almost as though they are members of the same family, therem I will redeem you, I will take responsibility for you. And we have this outstretched arm here, which is also I think a very uh kind of inspiring image. Over gedolim, and with these great judgments, these shvatim gedolim are going to again reappear in the next parak at the beginning of parik Zion. We'll talk about it not in today's she'er, but probably in next in tomorrow's she'er. Um, <clears throat> these shvatim gedolim, I think, hint to the makot. They already indicate to us that the makot are there not just to get the people out of Egypt, but to be part of the process of. The ga'alti the process of teaching the people how to or for what purpose they're being taken out, as we'll see in the next pasuk, the purpose of the shvatim dolim of bringing these great makot, are not just to punish the Egyptians, but to educate Am Yisrael. Ultimately, they lead to, in the next pasuk, v'idatem ki'ani Hashem al-Kechem. After you will see all of these stages of redemption, You will know that I am God. In any case, though, we have here, uh, I started talking about the different stages. The first stage, as we have in Pasuk Vav, is the stage of Yitziat Mitzrayim, of taking them out of enslavement, of freeing them from um, from their enslavement, from their responsibilities in Egypt. And then the next stage is, The next stage is the setting up of this mutual relationship. God will take us for a nation, and we will accept God as our God. And then you will know. So there's a, here the Ramban suggests that this phrase, I will take for you, uh, I will take you for me as a nation, this setting up of this mutual relationship, and this is a reference to Ma'amad Har Sinai, this is a reference to the next stage uh, in the history of the forging of Am Yisrael as a nation, if that is in fact the case, which again, and some of the other Farshim say this as well, but that takes us to Pasuk Chet, which is before. Third and final dramatic movement that moves the Am Yisrael towards nationhood, and that is "Vehibeti etchem el haaret. I will bring you to the land. And in fact, I think that these are probably the three basic, important, formative events in Am Yisrael's life: Yitziat Mitzrayim, Ma'amad Har Sinai. An entrance into the land, and we see these three stages here in this, I think, really very beautiful section, which uh, is is teaching Am Yisrael what and God takes them out of Egypt. Um, and perhaps it could be encapsulated really by this mutual relationship that we find here in Pasuk Zayin. I will take for you, me, you for me as a nation, and I will be for you as a God. You will know that I am God. This phrase appears once again in the in the bechukotai uh, that is commonly known as the uh, but in which in the beginning part of that parak, what we have here is the ideal in the relationship between God and his people once he brings them into the land. And that phrase of the mutual relationship, which really for the first time begins here, ultimately makes its way into the ideal description of the relationship. So it's for this purpose that God is taking Amisrael out of Egypt. And this is what he tells Moshe here. He did not say this at the burning bush. At the burning bush, the the best, the the most uh, uh, lofty point that he made was that the sign will be when he takes them out that they will serve God on this mountain. But this notion that the whole purpose of taking them out is so that there should be some kind of mutual relationship, which is somehow a fulfillment of the destiny of the Avot, of the promise that God gave to the Avot, of the covenant that God made with the Avot, this is an idea that I think really um, is, is is set into motion here. And in a sense, I go back to the what I said at the very beginning of this year. In a sense, this is an explanation of God uh, to Moshe, because Moshe's crisis emerged from what God told him his mission was at the burning bush, and some of the of seem to develop this in this direction. If I'm I'm not mistaken, I think the Ramban goes a little bit in this direction. Basically, what God told Moshe at the burning bush was, we're going to take Amistral out of Egypt um, because they're suffering. And then imagine Moshe's surprise when Moshe goes to Paro and says, okay, God said that I'm going to take them out of Egypt. And Paro says, no, I'm not going to send them out of Egypt. And guess what? I'm going to make them suffer even more. So at this point, of course, Moshe is a bit in crisis because he he turns back to God. He says, you made it only worse for them. It didn't get better. And at this point, God says to Moshe, no, that's not the only reason I'm taking them out. I'm not just taking them out because there's a moral imperative to do so, but there's also a theological imperative. And that takes time. That requires a process. And this process we see here in this section. Now, this section, I think I want to maybe just make a couple uh, more small comments about the section. Then I want to talk about the overall structure of the section because the structure is very beautiful and it's very important for understanding it a little bit more deeply. Um, one more point that I, that I did want to make is that we had mentioned before that at the beginning of this section, um, God refers to the land as of Avraham, the Eretz Mugurehem. A land in which they sojourned, and I pointed out that that indicated a temporary kind of stay there. Whereas at the end of this section, when God says, I will bring you to the land which I had promised to Abba and Kenakov, I will give it for to you as a morasha. That word is a very formal word, it appears only again in the Torah. With respect at the very end of the Torah, with respect to the Torah itself, Torah tiv'al nu Moshe Morasha kilat Yaakov, God commanded us uh, or commanded us through Moshe um, his instructions. That is our Morasha. That is our birthright. That is our legacy. That is our inheritance. The same is true about the land. It has some sort of very lofty connotation, which indicates our eternal connection to this land and the way in which somehow it factors into our national destiny. Okay, now I want to take a few minutes and just talk overall about the section. As I mentioned, it has a very strong structure. Um, It should be divided uh, at this Midpoint in pasuk vav, the words ani hashem, um, devised there quantitatively as well. Many have pointed out that this literary uh, dis- that this literary structure is also indicated by the quantity of words. There are 50 words before the ani hashem in pasuk vav, and there are 50 words between the ani hashem and the final ani hashem. Of pasuk Okay, so we open with Ani Hashem, it's 50 words until the middle Ani Hashem, and then it's 50 wor- more words until the final Ani Hashem. Now uh, Rabbi Shama of the Sephardic Institute actually um, points out that if you take that middle Ani Hashem and you use it both as the end of the first section and the beginning of the second section, as you count it twice, then each section actually has 52 words which is a multiple of 26, 26, of course, being the gematria of Shem Given that Shem Havaiya is, in a certain sense, the very point of the section, I think that might be a very significant point. There's what we have here is the introduction of God, the introduction of Shem Havaya. Of a new aspect of God in the world, one that is filtered through His intervention in the history of His people, His His uh, relationship with Am el as a nation, not just with individuals. And so, the fact that we have something numerical that seems to correspond to this, I think, is is interesting. What's perhaps uh, more, um, uh, what, what's what's easier to establish is that the first unit of this section God speaks to Moshe about Bnei Israel in the third person about the past right and actually this section can also be divided into two parts first he speaks about the distant past right the promise that he gave to the forefathers and then he speaks about the recent past namely the enslavement of Amisrael in Egypt in the second section Moshe is given the message that he is meant to tell Am Yisrael, in other words the section is meant to be said second person to Am Yisrael and it's about the future. In the first part of the second section he's talking about the near future and that is that he's going to take Am Yisrael out of enslavement from Egypt and in the second section of this, uh, of the, uh, in the second part of this second unit he talks about the distant future in which he is going to fulfill his promises to the avot and bring the people to the land so what we have here I, I hope that you can envision it it would be easier if i could draw you a chart but what we have here is sort of uh concentric circles the external circle the one that surrounds this entire section is the promise of the land that God gave to the Avod. The promise is in the distant past and God now elicits or enlists Moshe to give this promise to Bnei sur that he will in fact fulfill his promise to the forefathers and bring them to the land. And then in the inner concentric circle, we have the recent past in which God sees Amisrael enslaved in Egypt and tells Moshe to tell Amisrael that he is going to take them out of Egypt. So I think that this literary structure indicates to us what it is that God is now promising to do, how God is becoming involved in Amisrael's history, and also turning Amisrael from a sort of um, outsider, right, from one that we speak about in the third person to a direct player in which God tells Moshe and more, Levine Israel, speak directly to Bnei Israel. etchem el I'm going to bring you to the land. morasha. This land is going to be given to you as a birthright. And this really marks a very significant turning point in the in the history of the nation, and certainly in terms of the relationship between God and His nation. Now, what's significant here is that. The epilogue to the story is in Umeavoda Tet, And Moshe spoke thus to Bnei Israel, and they did not listen to Moshe from shortness of spirit and from terrible labor. So here again, I mean, I think that we have, first of all, the contrast to their, their, their response to Moshe, when Moshe first came back and spoke, uh, to the people and showed the people the signs and the people believe and they listen and they hear that God remembered B'nei Yisrael and he saw their Oni, he saw their oppressions, and they bow down, they prostrate, prostrate themselves. It's a very different kind of message. If someone comes with the message and says, God has remembered your, your enslavement and he wants to take you out of slavery, well, I can well imagine why they responded in that way. But here basically the message is much um, more lofty. It's an exalted message. It's soaring and elevated and grand and there's no uh, discussion here about how God's going to do it and there's no signs and there's no proof. It's just God coming and saying, I'm going to make a covenant with you and I'm going to fulfill my words to your forefathers and this fails to make an impression upon the people. What slave has the time, has the energy to hear grand, elevated proclamations when all they can really think about is their slavery. And so this really does not uh, make an impression on them. They cannot internalize this. The message, Ani Hashem, this new kind of of, uh, relationship with God, this new kind of introduction of God This is one that they're only going to be able to really internalize once they are no longer mired in slavery. Let's not forget that this is actually the introduction of the Aseret HaDibrot or Anuchia Hashem Elokecha, I am God, I'm your God. And there they're going to have a different uh, capability of actually being able to internalize this. For the moment, I think that this introduction, which very much um, uh, adds to and expands on the mission that God sends Moshe on. Two different aspects of the mission. The first one that he sends Moshe on is burning bush, and here he adds a whole new dimension to this mission. These two aspects of Moshe's mission are going to play themselves out throughout the story. God comes to Moshe and selects Moshe, both to take Amisrael out of Egypt in order to create a new uh, moral kind of reality for Amisrael, but also in order so that they can forge a new religious kind of reality. These two aspects are ultimately, I think, going to be very much part of the formation of Amisrael. And in our next class, we are going to talk, we're going to pick up in Peredvav Pasuk Yud, and we're going to talk about um, uh, God's command to Moshe to go to Paro with this second mission in mind, with this second message.